Hey folks, thank you for tuning in to season three of Go Black Boy Go. I'm your host, Jalen, and I am here with my first guest of the season. Nick, I didn't tell you you were the first guest of the season, but you are. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. I didn't <laughs> I didn't know it was that special, but I'm happy to be here. It's a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. This is a cool surprise. Um, yeah, Nick, uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and yeah. Okay, um, so my name is Nick Machuca. Uh, I live in Tampa, Florida right now, and I work for a statewide LGBTQ civil rights organization. So I'm sure Jalen and I will talk about that a little bit. Um, and I am a graduate of the same program that Jalen is currently in. Yes. Uh, although I think I graduated maybe a couple years before you did. I don't think that yeah. Jalen and I actually met, yeah, physically met. met. Yeah, we didn't physically meet, but I mean. Well, well, no. Um, when I I met you briefly at your apartment, Bri very briefly. Oh, okay. Very I briefly. think I remember that. Yeah, but we just we didn't really like exchange any like. We didn't really talk <laughs> because it was it was just a lot going on. Like I was there on a visit, you were like ready to go. I was like, <laughs> yeah, I was trying to leave while you were visiting. getting ready to come. <laughs> yeah, I was probably packing up and everything. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, but I mean, at this point, you know, with the COVID stuff going on, the emphasis on physically meeting is like totally ruined <laughs> yeah now. so yeah this 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 is perfect for now <laughs> yeah um yeah so tell me tell me more about what it's like working for the organization that you're with um so it's a it's a lot of zoom <laughs> i always yeah, tell yeah, people yeah. that i pretty much spend all day on zoom or on the phone um you know doing any number of meetings or calls with people it is also a lot of spreadsheets, uh, surprisingly. I don't, I don't know if I said yet what I technically do for the organization, but I work in donor relations and I do a lot of fundraising and event planning and just like communicating with donors, asking for money, um, kind of representing the organization within a few communities in Florida. Um, and so, as you can imagine, it's kind of a struggle to do all of that virtually uh, because, you know, part of my job is supposed to be planning events, uh, planning annual fundraising galas, and I, I'm not able to, to do that in person right now. You know, everything that we're doing, including events, is taking place virtually. Virtually, okay. Yeah, so it's kind of a struggle to, to meet new people and to get to know people the computer screen what's like so so y'all done virtual events just recently what's like the kind of process of planning a virtual event versus planning the in-person event um so i mean it's it's a lot simpler to do right. to plan a, a virtual event because i don't have to organize a space i don't have to reserve a venue i don't have to plan for catering or any of that. I don't have to plan for transportation or parking or anything. Yeah. Uh, with a virtual event, I just have to make sure people will click join Zoom meeting. And then, <laughs> which I mean, by by many measures, is actually much more difficult than, oh, than planning okay. an in-person event. 
Because at this point, people are kind of zoomed out. Out, yeah. And and I love that we have this descriptor for it now. You know, we we use zoom as like a verb and yeah. say zoomed out to describe people. But I think folks are tired of you know logging into Zoom to to have social connections. But it's our best bet right now, and it's you know it's the only substitute we have for in-person meetings at the moment. but it's whatever (laughs) (laughs) like i'm just thinking about how i have to use zoom too and i'm just like but i'm using zoom right now (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean you're using zoom to (laughs) film your podcast yeah true um okay why don't you tell me what your feel good anthem is for this week are you playing it or is that no 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 you can we'll just uh you'll just say the lyrics or like what the name the artist and then just some lyrics that kind of stand out to you oh god let me see yeah, if i can figure out at... how to describe this, oh, <laughs> this okay. Song. Okay. Oh, okay yeah um so i let me preface this by saying that i was just on a week-long work retreat trip with a few friends you know we went up to a cabin in the backwoods of north carolina which and essentially just worked virtually or or remotely monday through friday and then whenever we were finished working for the day we would kind of just hang out have campfires cook dinner and just like you know be glad to have a change of pace um and so the reason that i heard my feel good song for the week is because one of the friends that i went up there with is like very into I think he he described it as like hyper pop or something like that. Does that sound familiar? Hyper pop? No, no, it's a new term for me. Uh, So he was listening to like a lot of uh, Kim Petras and Charlie XCX. Okay. uh, Like that genre of music, which I'm not really all that familiar with. Like I don't listen to stuff like that. Um, And he played this one remix of a Charlie XCX song. Uh, The song is called Unlock It. Okay. I don't. I don't know if you know it. Like I've never heard this song before. No, but I have to go listen to it. Yeah. Yeah. So the remix is like a mashup of uh, that older song, "Better Off Alone." You know, like from like the early two thousand. Okay. Maybe. Okay. Are you familiar with it? I'm just nodding, girl. I, I got. I got. <laughs> I got. I will have to go look up okay. all of this. I know who Charlie so, XCX is, but. Okay, so just for the listeners, uh, Jalen and I are on Zoom looking at each other, and her face is just clueless <laughs> as I'm describing this thing. Jalen's like, I'm not following along. I don't know any of this. Thank you for narrating my face. <laughs> That's okay. I'll I'll send you the link to the yeah yeah I want to video here, but it's just like this for me. You know, it it wasn't so much about the lyrics as the the sound of it, the music okay. behind it, because okay. um, it's this song that I've never heard before by somebody who I don't really listen to that much, Charlie XCX, and it's kind of like mixed in with this song that I remember from my childhood, oh, okay. um, and so it's this like blend of new things with this nostalgic sensation that I'm getting from like I don't know, elementary school, going to the skating yeah. rink and hearing like weird EDM music and like 
not having a care in the world, you know, and now I'm like nine days out from the biggest election of our generation, something that's going to have massive consequences probably for decades to come. And for me, it was just nice to have this song that I'm kind of like hanging out with friends and not worrying too much about and honestly not even worrying about what the, the lyrics are or what she's even saying. Yeah. And just focusing on how that music is making me feel in the moment. And so for me, that was just kind of like a nice getaway from having to analyze information or things that I'm reading or hearing or seeing or anything. So it's not so much what she's saying in the song. I don't care what the lyrics are. It's just like nice to, to hear something that makes you feel some way that's not completely hopeless or stressed out. Yeah, you really sold me on this song. <laughs> it's I'm sure it's dumb. Like when I when I found the music video for it, it's like a fan music video and it's just like <laughs> anime stuff that's just like oh, of course. <laughs> repeating over and over again. It looks like something that you would see at a club on anime night. Like they would just have it on like TV screens or something. Okay. Okay. Um, so really not the type of stuff that I tend to listen to, but fun nonetheless, my feel good anthem of the week. And the song was? Uh, so it's, the title of it is Unlock It, Better Off Alone Remix. Okay. Gotcha. I think, Okay. something to that effect. If you were to search that- I'll go find you. Yeah, it fun. would come up. Okay, okay. Yeah, no, that sounds cool. And that's exactly what I wanted for this for this segment was <laughs> to talk about what made you feel good about this song. Yeah, it was that not worrying about it and hearing something new and old together. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, let's get into the meat of why you're here. I want I first of all, I think that you are so great at your political commentary. I like the information that you share. And um, yeah, I just like your your opinions about politics. Um, and so that's one of the reasons why I, one, wanted you to come on the show and two, wanted you to open up this season, um, was to get your, your opinion on these things. So, um, for, okay, so just starting off what is your general mood about this election season the honest answer i think is that i'm just exhausted of this election season it feels like we never got out of the 2016 election season if that makes sense you know that was such a monumental you know shift in politics that the Trump administration like overnight became the news 24 seven for four years. And the fact that it was like this, you know, unprecedented victory for somebody who was not favored to win by any means. Um, the fact that we have now been living with that for four years and that's been the focus of everything for four years makes me feel like we've just been in one long 
electoral cycle mm. for like an enormous chunk of my life. Yeah. And so at this point, I'm just tired of it. You know, I'm, I'm, I am hopeful. I guess I should say that. I'll, I'll say that I'm hopeful about how November 3rd is going to turn out. Um, I think that we're going to win. I don't know by how much, but I think in the end, uh, it's going to be good news for us. But that doesn't stop me from being tired right now. I, th yeah. I think that's a, you know, a reality that everybody should acknowledge is that you know many of us who work in the political realm or who recognize the stakes of this election and the stakes of the last four years of the Trump administration are just tired and we want to kind of just take a break. <laughs> and yeah. Hopefully the results of November 4th can allow us to take a little break you know, before we pick up our political shenanigans again. Yeah. And yeah, how has having to do this work during the pandemic um, added, added more stress or, or made the kind of work different? I mean, I know you talked a little bit about in the beginning, like your having to do Zoom calls all the time, but just the reality of the pandemic, like, you know, after the election, we'll still be in a pandemic. Like, what has that done to, I guess, your, your, your sense of having to do this work during this time or just the general mood around um, this election season, you know? Um, so I'll say that you know, in, in our lifetimes and in our generation, and even our parents and grandparents generations, there is no precedent for this moment. You know, they've never lived through a time where there's a massive worldwide pandemic and also the, the biggest election of their lifetimes happening simultaneously. And so I think for a lot of us, we're kind of just, you know, going, day by day without like this overarching sense of structure is that we've, we've never been in this territory before. Um, there's not like, you know, candidates and campaigns and, you know, the electoral programs that are run by individual organizations, they have plans and they have, you know, a ton of protocols and strategies that they're following. But at the end of the day, everything that we're doing for this election cycle is brand new. You know, there are candidates who are foregoing uh, physical canvassing on, on doors, you know, like walking around neighborhoods and like yeah. meeting people and seeing people and like, you know, handshakes and passing out literature to, to crowds and passersby and shifting to like all texting and all call uh outreach and like that's something that's completely new where that's like your only outreach to people um and so i think there's just this sense of anxiety among a lot of us where we feel like we might be missing out on something and we that's something that's concerning for a lot of us but at the end of the day what's important is that we're taking care of our health, yeah. the health of, of people who we want to, you know, obviously want to live to go to the polls and like yeah. vote for 
progressive candidates and politics or policies. Um, and so it's this like struggle with, you know, thinking that we're doing enough, but also worrying that we might not be doing enough. Mm. Today, I saw that Texas surpassed 80% of its total 2016 votes today. Uh -huh. um, and we're still like nine or 10 days out from election day. So at this rate, they are going to far surpass their total number of votes submitted in 2016. So this means, could you, could, yeah, could you explain what this, so, so they're voting more now? Oh yeah, oh okay. yeah, a lot more. They're okay. voting way, way, way more than, you, than they would. You, you said a number and I, I, my brain turns off when people say numbers. Oh, that's, yeah, that's okay. I need <laughs> things to be written down in order yeah. to understand Okay, <laughs> okay, so. But past yeah, it. so we're, I'll, I'll walk back some of the numbers. I think we're nine days out from the election today. It was announced that Texas has already achieved 80% of its total votes that it had in 2016. Uh. So it's very likely that this week before election day even occurs, we're going to pass uh, the total number of votes submitted four years ago. Okay. Which means that when election day comes around, it's going to be, yeah, it's predicted to be like a lot higher than the total turnout uh, in 2016 was. So I think that's a, that's a positive sign. It's that more people are interested and invested in this election than they were in 2016. I think part of the issue with 2016 is a lot of people, um, they were, you know, made to believe that both major party candidates were equally dangerous or equally mm. uh, boring or, or whatever the descriptor is for them. You know, they were, they were made to believe that, you know, both of them are equally bad and I shouldn't go out and vote for these people. Um, we know that to not be true. Uh, and I think one of the reasons why you're seeing a lot higher turnout this year is that you know millions of people are seeing that to be false now you know they know that the person who has had the executive branch wrapped around his little finger is the most dangerous president that we've had in our entire lives and so they're turning out in record numbers to fire this guy at, on the same note, you have a lot of people who are supporters of Trump and who recognize that people like me are going to crawl over broken glass to vote him out of office. And so they will do the same thing. They will go to the polls and they will vote to keep him. Um, so, you know, you can look at the voter turnout and think a lot of different things, but typically whenever turnout is high, it favors uh, the Democrat mm. in, in many elections. Mm. So that's one reason why I think this election is gonna go in our favor, people who are, <laughs> who are very anti-Trump, um, is because 
the people who are turning out, I think, are more likely to vote uh, against Trump than they are for him. Mm. Yeah. And then another note before we depart from the Texas conversation is that, you know, a lot of these polls are, they're kind of like almost looking at Texas as a swing state which in my entire life would not have been a possibility, period. Yeah, because like, it's always been red, right? Yeah, or, Texas is yeah. a very solidly red yeah. state. That's, that's the state that, you know, a Republican running for president can pretty much count on every single time. And the fact that there are polls coming out that are consistently showing Biden tied with Trump there is not a good sign for the Trump campaign. It's, you, Texas should not be in play uh, by any major polls at all. That should mm. be an easy give me for a Republican president. Mm. Um, but it's a sign of where... Girl, I'm getting excited from all this information. <laughs> yeah, you should. I mean, this is a sign of how the Trump campaign is probably failing, not just in Texas, but in, state, in swing states all across the country. Mm. And Texas carries a lot of electoral college votes. I'm not saying that that Biden is going to win Texas. I personally don't believe that he will. But the fact that it's in play is a really good sign for the Biden campaign. Hmm. Let's let's move. Yeah, let's move on and talk about what are your thoughts on how the two campaigns are being run? You touched on it a little bit, but yeah, talk more at length. How do you think? the Biden and Trump campaigns are doing? Um, you're going to laugh at me. But okay. When you ask this question, the first thing that came to mind was the fracking. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> have you, okay, have you seen the video with uh, Bob the Drag Queen and Peppermint? Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I was wondering if that was a drag race reference. Yeah. Though, because <laughs> oh, you mean the fracking? No, no, not that. <laughs> I, I just like when they were laughing and they were. Yeah, no, I love. I have that video saved on my phone, ready to go for oh. reaction. Oh moments. yeah, but, it's, uh, it's great. No, so th- I'm actually talking about the actual fracking. fracking. Okay, that's that. What... that, that for <laughs> some reason for or another. Yeah, so it it keeps coming up in the Biden campaign okay. stuff. For, for whatever reason. Um, and for those of you who are listening at home, fracking is hydraulic fracturing. It's, it's capturing natural gas out of rock that's like a mile underground. Very environmentally destructive practice, but it's something that for one reason or another, the Biden campaign has said that they're not going to ban and you know it, that could have been the end of it. Like they didn't have to bring it up, but for some reason or another, anytime Kamala Harris is making an appearance, she has to remind people that Joe Biden has no plans to ban fracking. Hmm. And so, like for me and all of my other political friends, we just like it's become a joke now at this point that Kamala Harris talks about fracking a lot. Okay. Um, so, it, and I mean, this is a little bit different from how I'm used to the Biden campaign running. You know, for the last few months, 
the Biden campaign has been, it's kept a pretty low profile, right? Like in, in comparison with the Trump campaign, which is like, you know, go big or go home and like everything has got to be this dramatic blowout for them. Yeah, yeah. The Biden campaign has been quieter. Um, and I, I think it's realistic to say that there's not the type of enthusiasm for Joe Biden that Trump and his cult of personality is able to, to pull up with, uh, you know, people who are like fanatics for Donald Trump for one reason or another. Um, so, you know, over the last few months, I've just become accustomed to the Biden campaign kind of like working quietly, but also working diligently, uh, phone banking and like, you know, feeling more of like a small campaign versus the Trump campaign, you know, having to do the, the big in-person rallies and like no mask yeah. this and everybody gets to come inside a building and breathe and cough on each other uh, during a pandemic where the virus is a respiratory disease. And uh, so I've just kind of like viewed the Trump campaign as just being completely detached from the reality of our present situation. For months, you had Biden kind of just sitting at home, um, you know, not necessarily like relaxing. I'm sure he was busy all day, every day, but he would make appearances via recording or Zoom call or something, some kind of digital thing. And that was, that was how the Biden campaign was run for a while versus the Trump campaign where he's like flying everywhere and having rallies in Tulsa, Oklahoma and like, you know, bringing thousands of people, if he can get them, I guess I'll say that. Oh, okay. <laughs> into, yeah, into these spaces <laughs> where it's inevitable that they're going to spread COVID to each other. Yeah. And so, just, okay. It's, it's just like Sorry. a complete detachment from reality for yeah. me when I see the Trump campaign, uh, you know, pretending like there's not a pandemic happening and also there's not the worst eco economic collapse that we've seen in our entire lives happening talk to me about your thoughts on the debates girl where do i begin with the debates i mean yeah start start wherever <laughs> so i will say that for four years i have really tried to not ever engage with Trump talking ever. Like if he, if I listen to NPR in the car and they decide to like play a clip, you know, quote him or something or have his stupid voice talking, I will just change the station until it's over. I can't stand listening to him. He <laughs> sounds dumb. He is dumb. I, I don't want him occupying space in my head. And so to have to sit through 90 minutes, and I think it was like 98 minutes or something like that, huh. of him just like yapping on and on and on, trying to, you know, say his idiotic uh, ideas and then cut off Biden anytime that he wanted to speak, was enough to drive me up the wall. Yeah. That was the most that I have sat down and listened to that man in four years. I, I think for me as well, yeah. Yeah, and so I, 
remember just being so frustrated listening to this so-called debate. Um, it was like from the moment it started, I was like, it this was, is not, yeah. yeah, this is like, there's, there are no rules happening. Nothing's, nothing is as it should be. You know, he's just going to interrupt pretty much the whole time. And we're going to have to, to, to deal with that and try to listen through the BS and hear what Biden has to say. And like, let's be honest, Biden's not quick enough to keep up with that. Um, so it, it was just the struggle of like him, you know, being a calm, rational voice and like having to deal with somebody who is childish and immature and not reasonable at all, um, you know, acting like a child during this debate. And I, I think I, at one point I turned to my partner and I was like, when I was a kid, I grew up next to my neighbors who had these two Pomeranians who anytime they would let them out into the yard, these dogs would just yap and yap and yap constantly. There was no end to the barking. And it was just like this high pitched, loud, incessant bark. And I was like, this is giving me flashbacks of those moments because that man who's up there supposedly having a debate is just yapping and yapping and yapping nonstop like those Pomeranians. Yeah, yeah. So it didn't feel like a debate so much as it felt like... And this is the first one you're talking about. Nonsense. Yeah, this was the first debate. Remember, the second one got canceled. The second one got canceled, and then there they was... They tried to do it virtually, and Trump said, no, no yeah. you're going to cut off my microphone, or whatever it was. And then, did you get a chance to catch the most recent one? No. Um, oh, you didn't so, watch it? Okay. Yeah, I decided that... Not to, yeah. There's not a single thing Trump can say that would make me support him. No, yeah. I did watch the vice presidential. Yeah, debate. I did too, yeah. Is that... Do you know if that's going to be the only one? or? If I think so. It seems like it's going to be the only one. Yeah. Okay. So that one again that it was okay um i think that it could have been better uh you know pence is equally if not more hateful than trump is mm. but the way that he delivers the it's much more it's a sweeter kind of like yes. delivery it's, it's mass that, yeah that like people can find more palatable even if it's equally disgusting yeah and so, you know, people can very easily get lulled into this, like, idea that what he's saying isn't horrific because he just says it well and he's very sweet about it and, like, confident when he says these things. Yeah. Uh, versus Trump where it's, like, it's so in your face and, like, a barrage of attacks that people can very easily be like, well, that's not right. <laughs> I don't want that. <laughs> Um, and then I thought Kamala Harris did pretty well. Um, she wasn't as, I don't know. I don't know how I want to describe it. I think that she could have taken the gloves off a little bit more. Hmm. Pence. Hmm. Um, but you want to see more fighting. Not, I mean, not necessarily fighting, but she, we have to be realistic about yeah. who these people are. These are people who don't see folks like you and me as equal to them. Uh, they, it's 
very clear that they never will and you can never reason with them about that. These are people who want to wield their power to bring harm to people like you and me. And I, I think we have to treat that accordingly. Mm. Like that's extremely dangerous. You're saying, who, 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 is, who is the these people I, I got coming Oh, the, the Trump and Pence administration okay. and anybody okay. <laughs> supporting them, yeah, yeah. to be honest. Mm. Um, and so we're at this moment where, you know, half of us see that, but then the other half wants to play politics as usual and okay. like treat them as like, you know, equally valid, yeah. <laughs> like political members. And it's just like, let's be real about it. They don't they're not for democracy. They don't believe in the same values that, yeah. that we do, or they don't believe in a, a multicultural civil society. And these are realities that you and I live in yeah. and that we want to be peaceful and respected and have dignity. And, and so it's just, it, for me, it's kind of jarring to see people like Trump and Pence normalize. But I think we also have to be realistic about what is socially acceptable for somebody like Kamala Harris to do and to say and to act like. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She's, mm -hmm. you know, she's a woman of color who is also, I, I think, a first generation American, right? So I, I believe both of her parents were immigrants to the United States. Um, she is viewed and measured differently than somebody like Mike Pence is. Yeah. Yeah. And so as much as she might want to, you know, be in your face and say things and like be saucy or spicy or whatever, she's also pushing back against these expectations for her to not be like that. Yeah. And if she is like that, she's labeled as the bitch or like the, the, well, that's the black woman and that's how they act. And, you know, she's pushing back against sexist and misogynist and racist ideas about what a, you know, a civil servant should be. Yeah. 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 I think yeah. she's in, in many regards facing a lot of the issues that Obama faced yeah. when he was running. Well, I was even going to say Michelle, too, just like the kind of not like when Michelle was like in the White House and just being the first lady, the kind of like stereotype she had to push back against as well. Kind of like seeing that I, I kind of see the similarities with Harris. Yeah, absolutely. It's people live in different worlds, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Conservatives live in a different world than we do. Uh, and Trump people absolutely live in a completely different yeah. universe than the rest of us. Because they don't have their masks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, wrapping up, did you have anything else to say on this? Um, did you see the fly? The, oh yeah, I think he's a vampire. <laughs> You think he's a vampire? Mm-hmm. What, what fly, fly just attracted? Yeah, what what fly rests on somebody's head like that? Okay, let me tell you what flies are attracted to. Okay, there's an actual. Okay, yeah, tell me. Rotting meat. <gasps> rotting meat is one of them. 
and poop. <laughs> so the fact, that, <laughs> the fact that the fly would land on Pence's head. Wow. Okay. In the middle of the debate, when he's busy talking about Brianna Taylor, let's remember the moment that the fly decided oh, I didn't to land. I did even notice that. Was wow. when he was saying, "Quote: hmm. Justice was served in the case of Brianna Taylor." where justice absolutely was not served. Mm -hmm. That's the moment the fly lands on Pence's head. Mm. So I think the fly smelled the bullshit. <laughs> I, I like the rotting meat though. I mean, I, I mean, vampire rotting meat. I mean, that's close. I, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I mean, <laughs> when meat rots, it's ready to get thrown out. So I'll take that. <laughs> as well i do think he's a vampire though i could absolutely see that he has that look doesn't he? yeah it's just like that kind of like mysterious like he's put together but it's like mysterious and dark yeah and very threatening <laughs> very threatening yeah so yeah i didn't i, I didn't know the that. fly landed when he was talking about brianna taylor i didn't yeah because uh, let me let me tell you the sequence of events that happened in my home. Yeah. My partner and I are sitting around, you know, watching this, finishing dinner in the living room. And we had finished eating and he's, you know, talking about what Pence will talk about. And the case of Breonna Taylor comes up and like the racial injustice and, you know, cops killing black people comes up. And they ask him you know, was, was justice served in that case? And I knew the response that he was going to have. So I was like, oh, what a good moment for me to pick up these plates and take them to the kitchen. And so I did exactly that. I stacked the plates up. I walk away. He, Pence is busy talking about how he believes justice was served in that case. Mm -hmm. And as I'm setting the plates down in the kitchen, my partner yells from across the house, and he goes, there's a fly on his head, and it's, <laughs> it's staying there. So I walk back over, and sure enough, the fly is Which just is... sitting on his head, not moving. It's like in the same spot for like two and a half minutes. Yeah. While he's busy yeah. talking about the, the Breonna Taylor crap. Yeah. So that, you know, I don't really believe in signs, but if I did, that would be a sign for me. <laughs> So the realistic one is that the, the fly smelt the shit and that's what it was there. The, 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 the way that I like to think of it is that he's rotten meat or a vampire. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And did you hear, <laughs> did you hear um, I forget who interviewed Kamala Harris, uh, but they were like, did you see the fly? Did you know it was they there? Asked, oh, wow. And she said, that she knew it was there and okay. didn't say anything about it. <laughs> <laughs> she was just gonna let that man have the fly on his head. Yeah, why not? On national television. <laughs> why not? <laughs> okay, I knew she was a shady girl. Okay, that's satisfying. He was so shady. She just let him appear with the, the fly on his head. Okay, last topic of this um, conversation whatever the outcome will be what do you think 
kind of will be, let me see how I form, how, how I ask this question. Yeah, whoever wins, what do you think the outcome will be? Like, what will be the mood? What will be some of the policies you see if you, you, if you think you can think that further far in advance? Yeah, what, what, do, what do you kind of predict? Um, it's, it's very difficult because I don't make a lot of predictions. Okay. Because uh, I don't like to be wrong. I feel like if I made a <laughs> ton of I, predictions. I I'm giving be... you, I'm giving you the space to be wrong, Nick. <laughs> okay. Well, note that we're recording this on October 25th when I say this, but I have a feeling that I did not have in 2016. And I think that Biden is going to win this. I think that Trump is going to lose and it will be a definitive loss on the night of November 3rd on election night. I believe that Democrats are also going to retake the Senate. Uh, and I believe that they're going to firmly hold on to the House of Representatives. Um, I want to be right. I desperately want to be right. I want all of this, you know, four year Trump nightmare to be over. Um, but I also recognize that there are lots of things that can happen in the next nine days. Yeah. Um, I think that even with a Biden win and a Democrat takeover of the executive and legislative branches that we're not going to get the progressive sweep of legislation that you and I might want. Mm -hmm. Because think of the negotiations that the Biden campaign is having to make in order to win this election. Instead of going to the left and winning over progressives with policies like Medicare for all, uh, the Green New Deal, you know, things that we want, that progressive voters want, they have decided to pivot to this idea of like the independent voter or the Republican crossover, uh, people who are more conservative than people like you and me are. Yeah. And so when they win this election, they are immediately going to be looking at well, how do we get reelected in 2024? Hmm. And that's an unfortunate feature of American politics. It's like, you know, we're focused on whatever the next election is going to be um, when the priority should be governing today. And so, you know, they've made this, you could say, deal with the devil <laughs> with voters who they perceive to be moderate or crossover Republicans. And I think that they're going to be hesitant to pass a lot of the progressive legislation that we want. Um, we're not getting universal health care with Biden. We're not getting the Green New Deal with Biden. We're not getting a lot of things that you and I would want. And I think it's because they're trying to retain that middle ground of people that they're relying on for this year. 
what I would like to happen, though, and we'll we'll talk about the rosier picture, is them to wield that power, that grasp on power that we have not had since 2008, to pass every single piece of progressive legislation that has been stalled for the last four years. So we've got uh, things like the Equality Act that passed in the House that would you know, afford LGBTQ people uh, freedom from discrimination that never went to vote mm. in the Senate. Um, we've got sensible gun reform that passed in the House that was killed in the Senate. And so for this party to be in agreement about those two things in both chambers of uh, Congress allows us the opportunity to pass legislation that is going to benefit all of us. These, these are things that you and I desperately want that are going to improve our quality of life and certainly our mental health not having to worry about it's so know, simple yeah it's, people yeah. stealing our rights away yeah, yeah um that they will then have the opportunity to do i so desperately want them to take that moment to do that to pass every single thing that was stalled or that was not even a possibility over the last four years but i struggle to believe that they'll take that opportunity to do that hmm. because of what could happen four years later. You know, yeah. a moment where Republicans are like, well, these people took over and it was a tyranny. And so now we're going to go back to Trumpism. What do you predict if Trump wins? I, I mean, I don't, what do you predict? I'm just curious. If you want Hard to, to say because I'm not predicting. <laughs> I'm not predicting that he yeah. wins. Okay. Uh, you know, I I was at a moment earlier this year where I believed that he would win, and mm -hmm. I believed that that was just how it was going to be. But I don't think that I put a lot of thought into what that meant or or what could happen um, later on. So I don't have a lot of specifics, but I can tell you what it might feel like or some themes yeah. that we might see. And it's going to be people who look like you and me being in greater danger than we ever have, uh, probably in our entire lives. People who live like you and me, again, being in greater danger than we ever have in our entire lives, having to worry and stress about things that heterosexual and cisgender people don't even think about on a daily basis. You know, being constantly concerned that we're going to wake up one morning with fewer rights than we had the, the day before. Or revert back to some, some pre-2015 moment where mm you might be married in one state, but you're not married in the neighboring state. Um, odd things like that. I think we're going to see a greater, I mean, if, if Trump, God forbid, if he wins the election or steals the election, we're going to see a greater concentration of wealth <laughs> into the hands of people who are already extremely wealthy. You're yeah. going to see poor people getting even poorer because they're losing 
resources and capital to people who are already intensely wealthy, uh, we're going to see, you know, more hatred and division than what we've dealt with in the past four years. And it's that's because, already been a lot, you know. Right. So already, it's very unbearable for us, uh, you know, mentally and for many of us physically. And with a president who believes and does these things and is also not seeking re-election because he, you know, constitutionally is termed out of re-election, mm. all of that becomes more dangerous because mm. he has nobody to please anymore. Wow. And he already governs like he doesn't have to please the majority of us. Y'all bitches better vote. <laughs> Maybe that's the title of this. <laughs> that's what I put. I'm going to keep it. <laughs> I, I like that. That's a good theme for, for this segment. Um, what, what, what advice do you have to young voters, new voters? What, kind, what sense of encouragement do you have just to wrap this up? Uh, sense of encouragement. So I see a lot of new voters or young voters, uh, you know, concerned that their their vote doesn't matter or that it doesn't matter if they go out and vote uh, because, you know, so-and-so is going to win anyway, or life is going to be exactly as it was for them before they voted. And I can absolutely understand that, but it also relates to demographic turnout of voters. So if you look at older populations who seem to be getting everything they've ever wanted, you know, the country is being formed in a way that older generations want. It's because they turn out and they vote. And the people in power know that. The people who are representing them know that. They know that their biggest voting block are people, you know, 50 years and older. And so there's not a greater emphasis on those of us who are younger. Um, you know, people who are elected to serve know that they don't necessarily have to focus on us like they do on pleasing uh, people who you could call the super voter crowd, people who don't miss elections, who always uh, vote by mail or vote early or make sure that their vote is counted. And so things aren't necessarily going to change for younger voters unless they turn out in record numbers, unless we show that we are a voting block as well and we need things to go our way from here on out. And I think that's one of the things that we're seeing today. The youth turnout right now, as we speak, is breaking records in states all across the United States. And so for younger voters or for new voters um, who are hesitant about that, I think it should bring them comfort that they're becoming, that simply by voting, by going out and casting a vote for whoever it might be, 
they are becoming a part of the largest voter mobilization effort in American history mm. with the youth vote. It's a lot to think about, isn't <laughs> it, it? It is. It is. Okay. Final segment of the show. So I got to, so this is season three. It's a new season. You're the first guest. I have to explain to you some changes. Um, so before I had a segment called So Done where I would talk about what annoyed us for the week, but life is already annoying. So there's no point in reliving that. So I changed this to So Blessed where we talk about what we're grateful for for the week. So. Nick, what are you so blessed for this week? Can I hand it off to you first? Okay. So I'll let you go first. I, I need to th- I need to I need to think because I I want to I'm trying to figure out what I want to say because I was going to say I'm so blessed to have weed. Um <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's legal. It's legal. It's regulation and in my state, yes, I that's the only way I can get through. Uh, living in Oregon is through through the green stuff, but no, I think that's what what I'm so blessed for. It might it might be what I'm so blessed for for the rest of however long this pandemic pans out. Well, I hope you have a steady supply of it and that it's not breaking the bank. Oh no, no, it's not. It's not going to do that. I'm stingy about my money. <laughs> Good as you should be, particularly in this moment. Yeah, true. Um, what am I so blessed for? Um, I think I am blessed to be em- not just employed, but happily employed right mm. now. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm doing something that I love. I'm feeling like I'm making a difference. I'm part of an LGBTQ organization that is literally changing the electoral landscape of Florida right now. And I think I'm just blessed to be a part of that. And like, that's my full-time job and I get a paycheck (laughs) for for doing that. Like, that's the coolest thing that I could think of right now, Um, particularly at a time where We've been dealing with record unemployment uh-huh. or when people are employed, they're having to work like three different jobs to make ends meet. You know, I'm, I'm realistic about this. I'm very blessed to have the employment and the lifestyle that I am allowed to live right now. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds great. Um, okay. Well, Nick, Thank you for coming on. This has Thank been you very. For I, me. I I love the guests when they bring in a lot of information because usually I just like to try to trip y'all up and and, and talking about <laughs> your personal lives and whatnot. But. Thank you. Thank you for not <laughs> tripping me up. You can follow the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at Go Black Boy Go, and you can listen to it on wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can follow Nick at on social media at wherever you want to give them your social uh yep so my instagram is at machucador underscore that's at m-a-c-h-u-c-a-d-o-r underscore 
And the Twitter is the exact same handle. All right. And once again, Nick, thank you for coming on. And thank y'all for listening. And I'll see you next time. Y'all bitches better vote.